wait for the little green light. There it is. All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome again to church. So glad you're here. Uh, Josh just said it, but uh, in case we haven't ever met, my name is Brian Laws. Very excited to be here with you all. And definitely, uh, as Josh said a moment ago, uh, if you're new, visiting, whatever, use that little QR code on the inside of the bulletin, the dinosaur. Uh, let us know that uh, you are here. We'd love to connect. Um, and yeah, so I am excited. Uh, this is my first time bringing a word, the message, since a three-month-away sabbatical. And so um, I am going to be doing a bit of a standalone message, not connected to any other series that we've been in. If you've been around Vespers, you know our normal mode is to kind of do a verse-by-verse thing through a book of the Bible, like Josh doing Romans right now. I finished up First Peter a bit ago, and so I'm just going to take this advantage to talk about something that I've been reflecting on a bit and chewing on over the, the course of my, my time away, my sabbatical. So, as you can see in the bulletin, we're in Hebrews 4, looking at verses 8, uh, 9, and 10, and we'll be rooted there, but it'll be a little bit more thematic. We'll kind of jump around a few different places in the scriptures, almost uh, a little bit more topical in its feel today. So, all that said, uh, Hebrews, great book. We're parachuting in, chapter 4. Uh, very briefly, Hebrews is all about uh, how Jesus Christ is better. He is the best. He is our better revelation. He is our better uh, reconciler to God. And he is our better hope and anchor for rest in this life. So, all that said, uh, as a very brief intro to the book and to where we're heading, let's stand together. And hear God's word if you're not too settled to do that. We'll hear the word of God from Hebrews chapter 4, picking up in verse 8. God's word says this. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. This is God's word. Please remain standing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, you are good. You are gracious. You meet us in marvelous ways and in simple ways. We are grateful for all of it. Lord, by your spirit, Work your word into our hearts and continue your work of sanctification in us individually and as a body for your name and glory as a church and in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. All right. So, friends, uh, this evening, I want to begin by saying three times in a row what is the main point, the central idea of the sermon today. And it's this, that there is a day of rest coming for those who hope in God. Again, a second time, a little slower, let it sink in. There is a day of rest coming for those who hope in God. Thirdly, again, hear this as an encouragement, friends, that there is a day of rest 
humming. But those who hope in God. Now, let me define what I mean by that. When I say a day of rest, I realize that your mind could go any number of places, a lot of different directions. Day of rest to you might be lying in a hammock on a beach somewhere. Day of rest might be uh, playing golf, like Pastor Josh is known to do a time, every once in a while on a, on a day of rest, a day off. It might be just taking a really long nap or having the kids away at mom and dad babysitting, you know, have, having someone cover them so you can just have some thoughts to yourself. That might be a day of rest for you. All good things, but not what I have in mind, not what I'm talking about when I, when I say a day of rest. Because what I'm aiming at here tonight is what I think the author of the book of Hebrews means by that term as well. And by a day of rest, what is meant here, what I'm saying is that there is a beautiful future experience that is coming in which the Lord will be fully known as our God and that his people, God's people, will fully know him and they will be in this kind of state of unhindered, full, joyful communion forever and ever and ever and ever. That was a lot of words, but but that's what I mean by rest. Essentially, it's this idea that you see uh, throughout the scriptures in multiple different places, and it's the idea of the Lord saying, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God with us, us with God, together. That is how it was in the Garden of Eden, right? That was a place of rest. And, you know, as a sneak peek, this is where we're heading. This is what we're talking about today as well. Rest is us with him and him with us, uninterrupted withness. So I think about and kind of search my, my mind for an image of what rest is and what it, what it could look like. I imagine a ship uh, coming into a, a port or a harbor of some kind. Perhaps after a long journey, uh, a long time at sea. I think I might have a, have a, a picture yeah, there. Something like that. Perhaps uh, after a long journey, the ship is a little bit tattered. Uh, it's a little bit worn. Perhaps the crew is a little weary. And yet, as, as the ship is coming into port, it's coming into a harbor, it's coming into a safe place, a safe haven, a protected bay, perhaps. It's, it's finally coming home. The ship is coming home. The crew is coming home to this place of rest. The promise of rest that was, was out there when, this, when the ship was kind of sailing in the high seas and dealing with all the, all the things that they might deal with, you know, the idea of rest when you're out in the ocean seems very shadowy and distant and disconnected. And yet, I'm sure, you know, if, if this boat is coming into this harbor, all of those, those hopes and those kind of very ethereal ideas of protection and rest and being grounded become concrete as that, as that boat pulls in to a harbor, to a shore. So it is, I think, also for the Christian, for the believer in Jesus, as we think about the reality of our promised rest, especially the, uh, the Sabbath 
rest that is described in our text here, verse 9 especially, that the author of the book of Hebrews is, is pointing us to, that he's directing his original audience and us as well to reflect on and to hope in the Sabbath rest. Excuse me. Always the sniff. It's always there. And why? Why do we need a Sabbath rest? Am I back on? Nope. Didn't turn myself back on. There we go. Sorry. Why? All right. We're tired. Yeah, we're tired. Right? <laughs> we're tired. We're weary. We know that we need rest because we live constantly in a world of unrest. We feel it in our hearts, that our hearts are constantly at war. Even with our, our best thoughts and our best intentions, there is unrest within us. So the promise of true rest that is offered by Jesus and found in the gospel is necessary and it is precious. So it's not unimportant what this author of Hebrews is saying to us here today. It's very relevant. So two things uh, I want us to see and reflect on, two, two main points, I guess, to kind of fill out and direct our thoughts and reflect more deeply on this idea of rest in the next few moments. First, I want us to see and think about how uh, the promise of rest is persistent as we find it in the scriptures. The promise of rest is persistent, how it is also personal. Promise of rest, personal and persistent. In verse 9 of our text, we read these words. It says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. In other words, uh, you know, we could say, So then, there, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this word remains for a moment as we're talking about persistence. So we could say, so then, there is still left a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You could say, so then, there continues to be a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So then, there stands fast, or so then, there is still coming, or there still exists. All of these ideas, kind of similar, parallel ideas to the idea of remaining The bottom line, either way, is that this Sabbath rest being spoken of here is a persistent thing that is steadfast. Think of things that remain. You might think of, you know, a national, uh, not a national, well, you could think of a national disaster. I was going to say a natural disaster. But you think of how a natural disaster comes through and some things get wiped out and other things remain, right? Right? A house, a building, it is steadfast, a tree. Of course, as we think about the rest, the Sabbath rest, the promised rest of God, we know that the reason the rest persists and remains is because the one who promises and provides the rest persists and remains. The gift persists because the giver persists. In fact, if we zoom out a little bit, 
We can see that really the whole entire history of the God of Israel with his people, as we look at it in the story of the scriptures, is a story of God persisting and pursuing people. His people, often wayward and stubborn people, going after them, calling back to himself, working with them and working to get them through stuff and to see and to get it. We catch hints of this, even if we were to kind of just look briefly at, you know, survey the book of Hebrews up to this point, where we are in chapter 4, just dipping in. We see that in the book of Hebrews that Moses has already been mentioned. Joshua has been mentioned. Just recently we see, right before the text I read, David is mentioned. All of these characters and the stories that we read in the scriptures in the Old Testament attached to these men and these characters are stories of God persisting with people. God persisting with those who sometimes get it and who sometimes totally don't. It's what God is doing, and it's the story the Bible is telling us. And it really, we can even go all the way back to the very beginning. We can look, uh, as we think about persisting and we think about rest, we can go all the way back to the start of the story, Genesis 1 and 2, where we read about the creation accounts. And this is, this is kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to put together, an interesting juxtaposition, because we read that God created everything, did this amazing work of creation in six days, but then on the seventh day, he starts to do something new. So I want to read for us just a moment this account in Genesis 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. So we see God resting after this work. But my point in, in reading that text is to, is to point out the fact that ever since God himself finished his work of creation in six days, he has entered this rest. He has been resting. And yet, at the same time, he is persisting in, in his pursuit of a people. So the God who rests is also a God who persists. He rests from his creative work and he persists in his redemptive work with a people. Now, one caveat here that I think is interesting as well as we, we kind of survey the scriptures is that we see as the story is unfolded, that we see again and again all of these ways that the Lord, especially in the Old Testament, has established and is working to ordain rest for his people. And as we see this uh, kind of unfolding in the scriptures, what we begin to realize, and especially from our vantage point in the New Testament, looking back, we see that all of these, these institutions and things that the, that the Lord ordained in the Old Testament were really signposts pointing us forward to something better, to something still greater, that we know what it is, right? 
But just for a moment, we see, for example, uh, God instituting the Sabbath. The law of Moses, Exodus 20, verse 8, this, the fourth commandment is this commandment to rest. We see these moments of rest in the story of the people of God, where uh, the people of God, by God, have been called to, to this work of conquest. And every once in a while, there are these moments of rest when a guy like Joshua or a guy like David does what the Lord has, has called him to do. And we see these, these moments that speak about how, and the Lord gave them rest from all of their enemies. We see even uh, Leviticus talks about how God ordained and established this, uh, this sabbatical year for the land, this year of rest. It's called a year of solemn rest for the land so it could be restored and refreshed, so it could be fruitful again. All of these things, we could go on. And yet again, the point of all of these, as we look at the story, is that these are all things that point us forward to something greater. All of these institutions and laws and commands point us forward to Jesus. And they point us forward to this thing that is I would say for us, still future and still yet to come, which is this true Sabbath forever rest of us with God and God with us. That safe harbor moments. So thinking about this, the persistence of God in all of these ways, a question that I've been grappling with myself, thinking about, I'll put it to us as well, is do the promises of God and his persistence and the way he points us forward to these good things, do those things fill up your sail a little bit as you reflect on them? Do the promises of God as you see them in the scriptures and the good things that he is pointing us to stir up some hope within you? I, I hope it does. But I know for myself that there are moments where, again, sometimes you get it and you're like, yes, amen. There are good things coming. And then there are moments where you are completely disconnected from it. I think one of the, the challenges and I think one of the things I'm working to do and constantly doing is to be praying that the things that I know in my head would be connected to my heart. And so the, the good promises and the things that I know about the future that God has said are coming would actually mean something to me and would change me from the inside out. Perhaps that's a, a prayer that you need to be praying as well. That the knowledge that's in your head would be connected to your heart in a way that would be transformative for your life. one of the reasons we need community we need women's retreats and men's retreats and small groups to to point each other back to the truth to point each other back to these promises the ones that have been fulfilled and the ones that are yet to be fulfilled so that our our sail can be filled up again I feel like I've been dancing all around talking about you know these good promises and these things that are coming and I haven't really filled out that picture at all Some of you might know just from your own knowledge of the scriptures 
or make some assumptions based on things I've said. But I think as we think about this, this Sabbath rest, this God with us, us with God thing that's coming, one of the best places to see that is in the book of Revelation. The, these, this future apocalyptic vision that John has on the island of Patmos. You th- I think especially of Revelation 21 as a picture of this rest. And this promised rest that's coming. It's this moment where we see this vision of the new heaven and the new earth. And I'll read some of it. It says this. This is John saying, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Togetherness, that's that rest. But as, as if that weren't enough, he goes on, verse 4, he will wipe away, as God is with us, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, from our eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the thing. That's the promise. That is the Sabbath rest that is still yet to come in our experience. And we long for it. We need it. And we need the healing that he will bring. So the promise of rest that we see in the scriptures multiple ways is persistent because our God is persistent. He is faithful. He is loving. Secondly, more briefly, briefly, this rest is also not only persistent, it is personal. I think we've already kind of caught hints of this as we've gone along, but two specific things I want to pull out real, real quickly. Verse 10, we see that this rest is referred to as God's rest. Why? Again, because it is the rest that God himself entered into after his creation work was, was finished. It is his rest. It belongs to him. It's personal. And he shares it, right? He, he invites us into it. It's personal. It's God's rest. Secondly, though, second reason this rest is personal is because it is by definition, as we see in verse 9, a Sabbath rest. And guess what? We know the guy who just happens to be the Lord of the Sabbath. It is personal because our Savior, our Lord, our King is Lord of the Sabbath. And he is the one who is bringing that rest, bringing this future when he comes back with all his heavenly hosts and brings the whole party, the whole shebang, right? So true Sabbath rest is Jesus' rest. It belongs to him, and he shares it with us. Jesus, as our Savior, as our King, as the Lord of the Sabbath, is the one who said things like, this is, this is encouraging, right? He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus, as the Lord of the Sabbath, is the one who says, as we, we saw earlier, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, learn from me, 
because I am gentle, I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, is the one who understood the true meaning of the Sabbath, right? The the religious leaders of his day got mad at him for healing and touching and restoring and doing work on the Sabbath. But he was doing he was that he was in touch with the heart of what Sabbath is, right? It's it's healing, it's restoration. Jesus is the one that we see who understands our human frame. We see him interacting with his disciples and knowing that after a really intense, particular uh, day of ministry, he knows that they're probably weary and tired. Thinking of Mark 6 here, just before the feeding of the 5,000. Just read this. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus invites his disciples to come away and to rest. It's an invitation that stands for us as well. Even as it is only partial in our current experience until he comes back. The invitation stands. So the promise of rest is persistent because our God is a persistent and faithful and loving God and it is personal because our King and our Savior is the Lord of Sabbath rest. This thing that we are heading towards. You might ask the question, okay, I like it. But how do I know I'm in? How, how do I know that's going to happen for me? How do I know that's my future, right? Well, we read in verse 10. Again, it says, Hebrew says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. How do we enter that rest? By responding to God's word. The verses right before what uh, verse 8, when, what we just read together, says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. You enter in by responding to the word of God. To believe, to repent. We enter God's rest by hoping in his word. Some of the things I've been chewing on over the course of sabbatical. That there is a day of rest coming. There's a promise. There is a day of rest coming for those who hope in God. It'll be a day of healing and of joy and of feasting. We know a bit of it right now. We rest from our labors because Christ and his work, his redemption is sufficient. We're not working for our salvation, but we're waiting for full togetherness with him. And that will be a good day when that comes. We look forward to it like that ship longs to enter that safe harbor. Let me pray for us. And then we'll partake together the Lord's Supper. Father in heaven, God, thank you 
that you are gracious and kind, God, that you know that we are dust, you know our frame, Lord, you know our unrest, our unrest as parents, our unrest in sickness, our unrest as we look at the world and the turmoil and we go on and on, and yet, Lord, you say, come to me and have rest. You say this day of rest is coming. And Lord, I pray that that promise would mean something to our hearts. Refresh that promise in our lives, in our hearts, in this day, in this week, when our struggles around us get thick and heavy. God, thank you for your grace. And thank you for this table that we are about to partake of together and the togetherness that it represents. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.